please join me as we embark on a journey of discovery and healing with the sacred plant medicine of Aotearoa. Recently I attended training with First Light Fluorescences of New Zealand founders and co-creators Franchella Soski Weiber and Tony Weiber. Franchella and Tony have been teaching New Zealand native fluorescence therapy workshops for 12 years and this was their last workshop teaching fluorescence therapy. However, the workshops will continue to be taught by a team of trained and highly experienced tutors throughout New Zealand and also in Japan and Australia. I had a chance to talk to Franchella about her life and the creation of First Light Fluorescences of New Zealand and this is part one of that interview. So Franchella, I understand that the First Light Fluorescences of New Zealand came into being as a result of a vision you had when you were seven years old and at that time you received a medicine name. Would you like to explain that, that experience and what your medicine name was and what, that, what the significance of that is? Mm -hmm. So one of my earliest memories was at seven years old when I was sitting on the front porch, the front steps of the family home, and it was in the morning, it was a beautiful morning before school actually, it was in the morning of my seventh birthday, and the sun was shining and I was looking at, in, out at, at the garden and there was a very um, wild area of the garden there, you know, not a cultivated area, a wild area of the garden. And as I was looking at the, uh, at the plants, um, one of the plants actually lit up. So it wasn't lit up by the sun as such, it was lit up by uh, a ray of light or an explosion of light around it. And I went to the plant and I saw the plant spirit or plant diva with the plant. All plants have a, a plant spirit or a plant diva um, that, that's inextricably connected with them. And uh, so I went to the plant at the invitation of the plant spirit, the plant diva. And the plant on the leaf of it had a pool of dew and the sunlight was on the dew. So in that beautiful early morning, fresh energy. And the plant spirit, the plant diva, offered the plant to me. And I knew it was an invitation to, to drink of the dew. At that time, of course, I had no understanding at all of the significance of, of dew as a very powerful um, uh, alchemical liquid, uh, but I, I drank the, the liquid, the dew, and it was at that moment that I would say that my life changed forever, uh, in as much as while I had always had high levels of sensitivity as a child, at that time it was like all of the switches were turned on for me. Uh, my clairvoyance clear audience, clear sentience, all of the, the senses, the psychic senses, if you will. The word psychic is an umbrella for um, you know, the five clear, I call them clear senses, uh, that we have the extrasensory perception. So my extrasensory perception just was switched on very, very suddenly. And um, part of that process involves being able to see things, so clairvoyance is being able to see things. So um, I, from that time, could start 
I started to be able to see the energy around people and uh, to see people who had passed over, to see uh, the metaphysical realm or the, the, the realm that exists parallel to this physical three-dimensional world. And on my father's side, Native American, and at that time, I saw my father's father, my, my father's lineage, so a, a line of the ancestors, you might say. And uh, that line of ancestors was a line of um, of, of healers, of of medicine men, of men who were very gifted and the lineage um, how can I describe it the that lineage in that moment that I saw the lineage it came into me so uh, that spiritual linkage was made uh, at a heart level and the heart of course is the seat of the soul so in this lifetime our soul has a purpose in every lifetime our soul has a purpose our soul has a reason for being here we're not just here in a, some random act of you know divinity's randomness we have a purpose each and every one of us and that purpose for each soul there's always a pivotal time in a person's life when they start to become conscious of there must be more to life than this there's a reason for me being here so for me my very first experience was of that lineage from my father's side connecting to my soul to my heart to my soul and with that uh, I was given the name uh, Buffalo Woman Returns uh, and I had didn't know, of course, at that age what that meant. I just heard it very, very clearly. And I saw it written on a book. It was written on a book. So it was my book. It was going to be the book of my life. Uh, and so that's when, we say, the, the book of my life actually began everything up into that point, like the introduction to the, to the book. And the book began at that time. Um, so I understand that you had another pivotal spiritual experience or an initiation around the age of 16. Mm. What was the significance of, of that experience and how did that lead into the work that you're doing now? Mm. So <clears throat> at the age of 16, I had a personal, personal traumatic experience and that experience made me question my reason for living. I, I could see no purpose in, in living. And uh, I said to Spirit, just um, in, in sort of, uh, you know, those times when you're sort of brought to your very, very knees and you really, well, I'm not, I don't know if you've had one of those, but brought to your very, very knees and uh, questioning absolutely your life, your reason for being here. And so I said to Spirit, if you have a reason for me being here, then you had better show me now, um, because otherwise I, I can't see a reason for being here. And 
at that point in time. Once again, I had a heart-centered awakening, you might say, or a soul, another pivotal moment in the soul's journey. And I had a vision of myself where my life was one of absolute service, absolutely dedicated to service to humanity. And that that process or journey would be one that would be totally controlled by spirit. And that in order for that to happen, I had to totally surrender. I had to surrender my life, anything that I might have wanted personally, that total surrendering and handing over of my life to spirit in service to humanity. And so I did that at that in that moment at that time, absolutely 1,000%, I dedicated my life to spirit and uh, to service to humanity. And that was an absolute unconditional commitment in every fibre of my being. I knew it wasn't something that would ever, it would never change. That was how it was going to be. And the very next day, I was directed to... At that point in time, I didn't know the exact type of service. So I wasn't saying, yes, that sounds good. I'll do that. It was right. Okay, whatever. And the thing that initially came to my mind was... Way back then, of course, in those days, um, nursing was the immediate thing that came to mind, you know. You could become a nurse that would be helping people. And so I made an appointment to um, go and apply to be a nurse. And you had to have X amount of money because you had to pay for certain things. So I, I had this money and I was walking up Queen Street to uh, go to my appointment. And mm, Spirit said to me, Whitcomb and Tombs, or what's called Whitcoles now, was on the left-hand side going up Queen Street. And Spirit said to me, go into Whitcombs, or Whitcombe Tombs it was, and I said, I can't, I'm running late. But of course, true obedience, I went in. And I found a book on astrology, a course on astrology, with the Mayo a Faculty of Astrological Studies in uh, England because there was nothing, no astrology in 
New Zealand at that time to speak of. And so I bought the book. And at the back of the book was the form to enrol in you know, Diploma of Astrology. And so I spent all my money <laughs> enrolling. And I enrolled in this course, posted it away, took a long time. When it came back, it came back with a little brochure on flower remedies, flower essences. And so I first heard the term, you know, flower, flower remedies. And so that began the journey, the conscious journey, you might say, with um, astrology and, and flower essences combined as, as, a, as a healing tool. And it, it, from an early age, prior to that, I had always been able to see from that experience I had when I was seven, I had always been able to see the energy field of people, to see what was happening in their energy field. And my mother was a gypsy and took us all over New Zealand travelling. And um, she collected plants, and there was hardly enough room often in the car for us because the car was full of plants. The boot was filled with plants, so you know, plants were a part of my life from a very, very early age. The native plants of this land. Yeah, so I had always been able to see what was happening in a person's energy field and then I was able to see the plants of this land that corresponded. So if a person was angry, I could see the energetic pattern of the anger and then I could see the plant that held the, the pattern that matched and could transform that, what I saw as, you know, murky colours or lines shooting through the energy field and I knew that would make the person unwell, that those emotional and mental states that they were holding would make them unwell and the plant would light up like the very first one did, would light up and I knew, oh, that was the match. So in, from that time of seven through to 15, I had this thing going on with plants and people but I hadn't put them together um, until I was introduced to flower remedies um, and then it all started to happen. So at that time, 16, it all just started to happen and the plants of this land uh, started to call and want to be made into flower remedies. Up until that point, they had just shown me what they could do. There hadn't been an invitation to make them. And I understand why, because up until that point, I had not dedicated or sacrificed my life to them, basically, or to the work. So I was more a spectator, you might say. This goes with that, and but there was no permission given to actually do anything. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until then when I dedicated the path, the life to service, that the invitation started to come to make the plants, to make the flower essences, to 
um, work with them. And so from that age, there was a progressive journey with the plants of this land and the the being receptive or open to what they weren't just showing me what they could do. I knew I was being told clairvoyantly hearing, so rather than seeing. So prior to that it was clairvoyantly seeing. I was hearing the plant was telling me right and going into detail. And the plants showed me they they uh, they lived in families. Like people do, they had families and they had relatives and that those families um, the essences wanted to be made or, or grouped in families and, and while they were individuals in that family and had their own healing abilities and gifts that they were willing to share via the medium of flower remedies, flower essences uh, they, they wanted to be made and worked with in a particular way and for instance, they did not want to be made separately. You know, they wanted to be made in groups of three. Um, so, and that three, um, three being a very, very powerful, um, very, very powerful number right through Māori spirituality, but uh, just in terms of the plant being able to and it was like a synergy, you know, when they were made together, they were empowered by each other. They had all stood all together, so there was a, a, a power that came with that. And they were standing forth together. So, could you explain the process um, from getting an invitation from a plant to having the finished stock essence or having the finished flower essence? Mm. Explain a little bit about that process. Mm-hmm. So, making a, when I make a flower essence, it isn't something that I'm consciously thinking, oh, today is a lovely day, I'll go out and make a flower essence. It doesn't work like that at all. Everything is an invitation. And so, how it works is that the plant will appear to me in vision. It's... it's spirit self you might say once again scientists are realising everything has has, um, you know consciousness everything everything is energy everything has a consciousness so everything has an intelligence so plant intelligence you're working with plant intelligence in a cooperative manner and so the plant will appear in vision and it will show me um, you know say it's ready to be made ready to give and it will show me where it is. Uh, it will show me any protocols that have to be observed before it can be made. Uh, that could be anything from it wants to be approached in total silence, it wants to be communicated with verbally, it wants to be sung to, it wants to be, you know, I have to go through certain personal processes. The Approaching of the plant, once again, when you found when I found the plant physically, then there's 
a waiting once again for the invitation to go further to the physical plane. And then I'm showing quite clearly what flowers to select, what parts of the plant to select, and how to select them. Some will prefer to have the flower just naturally broken off, and some don't like that. They prefer to be cut. You know, it's their preference. So you're just totally open to how that plant prefers to give itself to you, basically. Mm. And then the, the karakia or the, the ancient chants that are necessary to speak before the plant can be taken, so that's a very much a part of it, the, the ancient the ancient prayers from the ancient people. Uh, I had an, a vision that I, I didn't mention actually, which was when I was given the task of working with the native plants of this land, uh, the what I call the earth guardians, the guardians of the forest, the ancient guardians, uh, appeared to me and told me to bring back the healing waters. So that was my task, to bring back the healing waters that humanity had a need for. So, yeah, it's sort of a, a complex task in as much as there's many things that have to be taken into consideration because you're working with ancient guardians, you're working with the spirit of the land, you're working with plant intelligence, all of those things combine to give a spiritual power and, and those are just a few of the things that combine to give a spiritual power, um, an efficacy, a therapeutic efficacy uh, to, to the flower essences. So it's like many strands woven together and no one thing can be looked at in isolation as being enough. So the degree of layering of spiritual power from all of those things is, is woven into the efficacy of the essences and so that's why you'll have something that's very, very potent at all levels. Um, because it's, it's not just something you know, you've gone into nature and think, oh, well, I'll make a flower essence because it doesn't have any mana, it doesn't have the, the you might have the physical flower essence, but you won't have a, you know, you won't, you won't have anything really. It's like Dr. Pele says, any fork can go out and, you know, put some flowers in water, pick some flowers and float them in water and you know, make a flowery remedy. But that's not what First Light is about. That concludes part one of my interview with Fran Charles of Soski Weiber.